At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for listening. Two guests this week. We have Ben Fisher from Sports Business Journal on a bunch of NFL news in terms of fans at games, uh, TV contracts, Disney getting two packages possibly, uh, preseason games getting axed. What does it mean? So we get into a bunch of NFL things with Ben from Sports Business Journal. And then Richard Jefferson from ESPN comes on the podcast to discuss some NBA news, life in the bubble, LeBron James, and much more. If you missed uh, last week's episode, we had Keith Hernandez on, who was great, talking about unwritten rules in baseball, Fernando Tatis, Seinfeld. Two weeks ago, Kyle Brandt. Three weeks ago, John O'Ran on a variety of sports media news, and Jeff Van Gundy four weeks ago. So if you missed any of those, go into the archives, give them a listen, subscribe to the SI Media Podcast, and uh, if you can rate and review, that helps too. All right, let's get to this week's episode. First up, Ben Fisher from Sports Business Journal on NFL Media News, and then Richard Jefferson on the NBA, right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, covers the NFL for Sports Business Journal, Ben Fisher. Ben, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Uh, thanks for coming on here. NFL is, is getting closer and closer. It's funny, um, I've been tweeting on Sundays over the last few weeks, you know, sort of like a countdown, five weeks till the NFL season, please wear a mask, four weeks till the NFL season, please wear a mask. And I'm amazed how many people respond to those tweets by telling me there's not going to be an NFL season. I, I've said all along, and I don't know, maybe this is because, you know, I, I know some ex-players and, um, you know, get some insight, but I, I never thought the NFL season would be in jeopardy just because it's the NFL. Um what are your thoughts about a season starting on time and playing straight through without any interruptions? Do you think, uh, what would it take for the NFL to, you know, basically shut things down? 
Well, I agree with you, first of all, that at, at no point um, since the start of all this did I ever think it was uh, more likely than not that the season would not occur. I, I'd say there were certainly times in the last five months where I would have rated the percent likelihood, if you will, of the season getting underway and, and proceeding normally to be in the low 50s. You know, maybe a coin toss, but I think as we sit here now today, um, it's considerably higher than that. And, and I never was terribly pessimistic about it, just for no other reason. You know, there's lots of money in this system. No one's, you know, everyone can afford to pay $100 million if that's what it takes to test these guys twice a day or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, unlike, say, college football, there's, always, there's this uh, very narrow decision-making tree. It's 33 people, 32 owners and Goodell. And realistically, it's about seven or eight of them. So they're just so much easier to get everyone on the same page and to fight through a lot of these challenges the pandemic has made. Um, so I'd say optimism is, uh, is as high as it's been as we sit here today, especially the good testing results out of training camp. Um, continue to feed that optimism. But as the story I'm actually just finishing today for, for Monday's SBJ points out, um, in a season preview context that because of the nature of football, you can never be certain about it. Um, unlike baseball, which is relatively low risk on actual field of play, you know, it's a high wire act for football and as good as things look right now, it really a couple of asymptomatic guys in the field, it could get ugly in a hurry. So not to be pessimistic about things, but I don't think while, while starting the season looks as promising as ever. And I think there's, there's every reason to believe that things are going to go well at, you know, it's not over till it's over and it's a yeah. lifetime. It's a lifetime in pandemic terms between now and the successful execution of the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. I think one of the problems um, that a lot of fans have gotten into is comparing sport to sport. Every sport, even NHL and NBA with having success with the bubbles still, every sport is so different. So I think there are a lot of people who probably saw what happened with college football and that's why they think there's going to be no NFL season. But I mean, if anything shows you the difference between a professional sports league and the top one in this country and college athletics, I mean, this sort of, I think shows you the difference in in the two, just because they're both football. They're so different. Um, You know, and there's a difference between professionals who will take being responsible more seriously, I think, than college kids, a factor there as well. And then, of course, you know, like you said, baseball does not a ton of contact there with players, whereas football, you're, I mean, it's literally droplets going from player to player for three and a half hours. So, um, you know, I, I think everyone's got to judge everything individually here I, I, to start with. And like you said, um, my, my thing with the NFL is I just think because there's so much money involved, it's such a you know billion dollar industry. I think it's going to take a lot to shut it down. That's just my opinion. I, you know, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know how it turns out with you know, teams having positive tests, but I think the money in it makes it really tough to shut it down completely. Yeah, and that's that's the story I've got in in next in this Monday's SBJ is just how much is at stake, and you know you might think we've gotten through uh, many other sports return to play, but as we all know, the NFL is unique and just in both in dollars and strategic importance. Um, you know, major Fortune 100 companies plan on there being a football season, and it's not just the 32 owners. It's 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 Disney. It's uh, it's Viacom. It's right. it's, it's Bud Light. I mean, the list goes on and on that depend on this. And, you know, safety is safety and health is health. They're not going to do anything that is egregiously irresponsible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you take the Major League Baseball's um, patterns here where it's basically 
we'll cancel a game if we have to. We'll cancel three games if we have to. But, you know, we're going to keep moving. And yeah. the season as a whole is going to come um, whatever it takes. And I think you, you, you take that general perspective that MLB has shown and uh, multiply that by five as far as the NFL goes just because the, the, the motivations are so overwhelming um, to, to completing some sort of season. You know, I, I, think, I think they've come to terms with the fact that it, it may well be a flawed season. There could be some odd things about it. Some fans might not love it. Uh, you know, maybe a 10-5 and five team gets a wild card spot over a 10-6 and six team, and they benefited from a cancellation. Right, but, right. you know, just pe- the powerfully motivated people with lots of money can make a lot of things happen. Yeah, I think what the NFL has going for it, too, as opposed to baseball, is that they just play once a week. You know, the every day of baseball, you saw what happened with the Cardinals and – you know, everything just gets thrown so out of whack. Whereas I think the NFL can survive something a little bit better. If, you know, if it's an isolated one team type of type of thing, um, you know, money, as we both said here is, is at play here and there's a lot of money things going on with the NFL. I want to get into um, the television contracts, but before we do that, you've been covering um, very thoroughly um, which teams will have fans in the building, which teams will not. There's teams that will, um, not have fans for two weeks. It's, it's, you know, sort of all over the map. Um, I, I do think what's interesting, I mean, this is not really a business point, but I, I know this was brought up, I think by the uh, Buffalo's head coach, Sean McDermott, you know, it does seem a little unfair that it's not going to be universal where some teams will have fans and some teams won't. Um, I guess that's a separate issue, but my question for you is this, uh, you know, you've hearing of teams that'll say like, you know, they'll put 10,000 or 12,000, what do you think the motivation is there? Because that can't be money because if they're, you know, if they're paying uh, the security uh, concessions, et cetera, I, I don't know how much money they're making by putting 10,000 people in a building. What's the ultimate motivation to you? Is it money or is it something else? Well, in the cases where they're allowed to have somewhere in the low teens, I do think that that, that does, at least in the cases I'm aware of, it does work out narrowly to a, um, you know, a, a incremental incrementally profitable experience i think if you had four thousand people in the stadium then you're losing more money than you would be with an empty stadium um the the ceo of the dolphins told me this week that don't get me wrong we're still losing many millions of dollars but we're losing slightly less because we put thirteen thousand people in there so i I agree with you i don't think that is a material factor in it i I think that maybe it, it it nibbles around the edges of some losses if you're able to have 13,000 instead of zero. But, but your point in the question is, is a valid one because you talk to a lot of like team level executives and clearly they've been spending a summer of hard work for not a lot of payoff in the traditional sense of the word um, in terms of small crowds there. I think there's a couple of things going on there. Um, one, as a matter of philosophy, the NFL really firmly pushes the argument that the best place to watch it is, a st- is the stadium. It's the Even, worst place to watch it, just for the record. But go ahead. <laughs> well, it depends on your seats, right? If you've got a oh. high high end seat, there could be a lot of fun. But I'd say that's, I that's know, more it's, <laughs> COVID or no COVID, fifty yard line or fifty yard line. The TV experience is so much better in my opinion. Well, that's and right. I think, and I think you reflect a, a rapidly, increasingly common perspective, and I think the NFL is aware of that. And the NFL does not want to set the precedent that they don't really need to have people there. Right. Um, you know, I think they worry about that. I think, I think it's something of a principle to them that, you know, we play in front of crowds. 
Um, and that's important to the long term. And if we suddenly set the precedent that everything's fine and, in fact, everyone's enjoying football as much as ever with nobody in the stadium, <laughs> you know, maybe in five years well, they point back to the, the pandemic as the time yeah. when everyone realized their season tickets were optional. And that's they, they worry about that. Right. Well, I think – and listen, there's always going to be fans that – I, I still don't think I'm the majority. I think most people enjoy the experience of going to a game. I just, you know, for me personally, the experience is better on TV. People now, again, I'm talking pre-COVID, I mean, behave like animals at games because they're all drunk. They, you know, to pay the PSLs, I think, is just such a sucker move. What they charge for parking at, at football games is offensive. Um, so, I don't understand why anyone goes to games, but I get that people, you know, enjoy that bonding experience, I guess. So I don't think the NFL has anything to worry about there. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a theoretical thing. I mean, I don't, there's, there's no evidence to believe that, that season ticket demand is going to fall off a cliff right away, but they think long-term strategically, they, they, they do insist even in regular times that they put a lot of effort into the stadium experience and are aware of that gap. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly how many people would agree with you, but they're aware that more people today than five years ago or 10 years ago think that it's perfectly acceptable to watch the game from, from afar. They don't want to set that precedent if at all possible. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, you see that now we're up to 21 teams have said no fans to start the season. So right. clearly the preponderance of the league has decided that it is, in fact, more trouble than it's worth, or at least their, their, their political partners at the local level have decided it's more trouble than it's worth, given the current conditions. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that it's um, that the disparity is that is that um, extreme of 21 teams saying no fans, and you know I guess we're still waiting on some others. You know, I was thinking too. I, I was wondering if the NFL would push for some fans in all the stadiums just because of um, I guess the TV presentation. I mean, I think you know when the NBA started in the bubble, I think people are like, oh, this is pretty cool. With the it looked, it was a cool look. I think people are over it now. I think. I think no matter what sport you're watching, you miss the crowd there. Um, so, you know, TV is so important to the NFL. So I thought that might be a factor, but I guess, you know, uh, it's nice to see, but I guess the NFL really is um, being as cautious as they possibly can with everything. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, clearly the producers on television would far prefer there to be crowds. It's, it's going to be, it's tough to, to make it look anything like what we're used to there, but I think the ship sailed on that. You know, I don't think you appreciably improve the broadcast by having 10,000 people in a place designed to seat 70,000. That's still right. going to look, look empty. Basically. I think you've got to get to, you know, 50% full a place where you can basically fill the lower bowl at least circling back to some XFL conversations in, in February <laughs> um, that, um, that, you know, I, I think, I think any hopes of having something along the lines of a typical TV friendly crowd evaporated pretty early on in the pandemic when we realized that even best case scenario was maybe, maybe 50% and even that's out of the question now. So do you think, so do you think if, you know, we get through, let's say a couple of weeks of the NFL season, and everything goes okay with testing and, you know, COVID's limited and, you know, the, the teams, the handful of teams that have fans go through it with, with um, no issues. You think all the other teams then will just get on the bandwagon and, and open it up to fans or um, other, other factors that are going to be at play? Um, yeah. Um, short answer is yes. I think the actual overriding factor there is the uh, political wins of the moments in each of the 30 markets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that 
if we are in week three and there's been a few or no positive cases and no games have been disrupted by positive cases, there's going to be a, a strong push toward more butts and seats for the second half of the season. Right. At the end of the day, um, you know, these teams can have conversations with their local mayors or public health department directors or governors or whatever. But really, those are 30 different situations in terms of, you know, some of these men might be up for or women might be up for reelection sooner rather than later. Mm. Some, you know, may may place a higher importance on their local NFL club relative to, uh, you know, other other political interests in their in their state. So it's really hard to see where that uh, where that shakes out. Safe to say, I, I think, you know, at the risk of oversimplifying uh, red states, Red cities are going to mm-hmm. push the gas pedal down on fans faster than places that have been more uh, more more cautious about public gatherings. Right. So you know, New York, California, Chicago, don't count on fans there. But you know, Sun Belt, elsewhere, places like Pennsylvania and Ohio, where it's a little bit more of a, a mixed bag. There, you know, you might see fans coming in there too. But Which I is think that's actually the biggest variable here. Not yeah. not not. NFL stuff. So. Right. Which is interesting because here in New York, our numbers are, are fantastic. I mean, we're, we couldn't be doing a better job at oh, keeping the safest place low. to be in the world is yeah. right here in Brooklyn. Pretty, well, maybe not the world, but the country. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's the thing about it. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these overly cautious people, you know, I'm, I wear the mask. I stay far away from people. I've limited who I've seen, but you know, if they said 10,000 people at Jets and Giants games, I wouldn't have a problem with it strictly based on what our numbers are. But, um, I, I can't fault people for being cautious as well. You know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, you know, has the answer like everyone on Twitter. I, you know, I could see it going both ways. On, I could see it going both ways on it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I get into it on Twitter with your colleague, John Oran, and a couple of others about ratings. Are you a ratings guy? Do you get into it at all? Or is it not really, you focus more on the business aspect of things? Because we, we had an interesting conversation. There were a bunch of people on Twitter about, NFL ratings for the season if we think they'll be up or down. I don't want to like get into it with you if it's not your thing. <laughs> no, I'm happy to. I just yeah. would caution that, you know, I let John and Austin Carp and yeah. a handful of other people, they'll, they'll spend 15 tweets on this and I'll take a step back and just say, dumb it down for me, Austin. Give me the right. broad strokes because it's definitely important. But I think the exact rating points, the decimals from week to week is the most consistently overstated news story in <laughs> all the sports. Right. I mean, it's important on a week to week basis where the NFL is trending. As long as it's better than the year before, that, that, that paints the, the picture from a business strategy standpoint in a lot of ways. But, you know, I, I don't spend too much more time on that other than just making sure I, I know what sort of the story of the day is. Well, like you said earlier, too, I mean, now the ratings get used as, as political weapons as well. Um, I, you know, I'm of the belief that the NFL is going to have a down season strictly for two reasons and two reasons only. One, obviously, is is the pandemic. And two, I think with the election, um, I think cable news is going to have another big November, especially. I don't know how long it ends up carrying into December, but I think November will be big for cable news, will be a problem for the NFL because um, I think you have the possibility if Trump loses, he's either not going to leave or accept the results, or he, you know, he's so crazy that if he loses on the third, he might just fly back to New York on the fourth and say, you know, to hell with this. So I think I hadn't thought about that option. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's yeah. So, um, so 
I think that will be huge for cable news, and the NFL takes a, a hit there. Where um, do you think it'd be an? Uh, you think it's going to be an up or down season for the NFL in terms of ratings? Um, I would guess I'd say narrowly down. Um, risky to get into these guessing games. Um, I think more than any one thing, I don't think you're wrong about politics um, and just the extraordinary attention to cable news and elsewhere. Um, I think there are reasons to believe it goes up. I think on the field of play, there's some great storylines there. Um, but I guess where it all comes down to net net is sports work best when you're sort of comfortable and there's not a lot of other things going on in your life. And speaking strictly for me, I got a hell of a lot going on in my life right now. Some of right. it's pandemic related, some of it's professional related, but right. it all circles back to the, and I sort of noticed this first with the NHL's return to play. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins man and mm. you know, they did their predictable um, <laughs> offense world's greatest offense goes silent for four nights and, and quick exit. But I assumed I would be watching every second of the NHL's return to play, but I just, you know, it would get to the point where I get a notification on my phone as the end of the second period, just because I was working a late day because there was some new development on the pandemic NFL front, or, you know, I want to do a zoom with my parents because I hadn't seen them in six months. And right. just, you know, I just, there's a lot of reasons for people's mind and mental energy to be somewhere other than football right now. And as much as we all love the yep. football as distraction theory, you have to be able to enjoy that distraction. So that's a good point. It's a very, and I said, it's funny. I said that same exact thing on Twitter um, this week about the Yankees. Um, I'm a diehard Yankee fan and I just, I can't get into oh, yeah. the season at all because there's, they've been rained out a bunch of times. They've lost games because, you know, this week they didn't play for like three or four days in a row because they were supposed to play the Mets who had Corona cases. Yeah. And you know, it's the same exact thing. Like it's, I'm so used to like, I get home from work. I, I, my whole routine would be getting home from work a little before seven, put the TV on, put the Yes Network on. There's the Yankee. Now I'm home all day, so like when the day ends for me at like five five thirty, I got to get out of the house for a little bit. Right, and then half the time I forget. You know, then there's been crazy times because of scheduling issues, and you know they're playing at five o'clock. They're playing this day. They're playing, that, and I don't know what it's. It's bizarre that I'm not into it. I can't figure it out because usually I'm so on top of at least knowing what's going on. Um, so I do think, and you know with the NFL season coming in the, in the fall here, you may have a situation where, you know, kids are home from school, they're being homeschooled and you have, you know, games on Monday night, Thursday night. That's, that's a tough, you know, if you got kids doing that. It, so everything is different. And I think that's, that's what is, will hurt the NFL. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that could be one way though, that the NFL benefits because everyone else is scrambling and everything's strange with seven inning double header games and, and hockey and basketball on during the middle of the day during weekdays, just to sneak it in. But so far the NFL is still going to have a weekend, a, a, you know, a pattern of Thursday night football, Sunday afternoon slots, Sunday night and Monday. And that predictability may benefit it a lot there because, you know, Maybe we all wake up on Sunday, September 13th and decide to engage in the collective fiction that life is normal. Right. The NFL I'll helps definitely, us do that. Yeah. I will definitely do that. There's no <laughs> yeah. doubt about it. And I think football has the best chance to get people to do that. And I think, I think the NFL, I think what will help the NFL too a little bit is college football being such a shit show. I think people are just going to want that football fix on Sundays. Oh, that um, helps a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, the, you know, it came up again this week. There were a couple of reports again this week about Disney. ABC, ESPN getting two NFL packages in the next round of negotiations for the television contracts. Um, I mean, if you just go by what you read, it sounds like that's going to happen. 
What do you think? What's ESPN? Let's say ESPN ends up with two packages. What's their plan? Is it going to be Monday night ABC and then Thursday night? Are they trying to get a Sunday? What do you? What, what could happen with this? Um, well, first of all, yeah, you're right. Um, this is not exactly new. There'd been some new reports, but um, I know that John Aranda and I wrote a story in February about right. they were they were testing out teams on the concept of flexing from Sunday to Monday to raise the value of the Monday night package, thinking that, you know, if you, if you give ABC or, or if you give Disney the, the right to select the Monday night game on a week to week basis, um, then uh, that the value goes that much higher. And then you put it on a network instead of, instead of cable and you get a boost there. So this, this has been in the works for a long time. The idea of getting Monday night football back on a network is, is spectacular to the NFL. Um, you know, I, I I, I guess the, the best current thinking is, you know, maybe a Thursday, Monday scenario where Thursday is ESPN and, and, and Monday is, 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 is ABC. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's still, still hard to say how that shakes out exactly, but, but, you know, the, the reporting has been consistent now for going on eight or nine months that, that ABC is a big player here and the Disney NFL relationship is, is going to get much bigger. How that exactly shakes out. That's, that's really in the realm of speculation beyond the details there. And uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It's there, you know, I know there's this big hullabaloo about um, Monday night football, but I, I feel like a lot of people by Monday nights are a little footballed out. And I think that's part of why, the ratings aren't as good as, you know, the other packages and the games aren't as good. So how would, do you know, give me two things here. Legitimate chance they do flex scheduling for Monday night football. When would that happen and how would that work? Um, I think until about mid-March, I would have said that was a virtual certainty, but now I'd say that that is, you know, a level of scheduling complexity that the league does not want to put on teams. I know we're not talking about this year, um, but you know, everyone's just trying to keep the train on the tracks for now. So anything that it, it, it inserts this other major operational um, complication into teams' lives right now, even if it is a year out or two years out, would seem to be less likely than than not at this point. Um, but you know, I, I haven't, to my knowledge, I haven't re uh, resurveyed the teams about that. There was sort of a mixed result on that in February when they put that out around the Super Bowl. Some teams said, "Hey, we'll go anywhere at any time if it means national TV." Others were worried more about what that would mean to their home team, uh, season ticket holder relations, and, and all that. So. I'd say if we get back to normal and the pandemic is mostly solved by 2021, the odds of that soar. I think for now, the presumption has to be they're just trying to simplify life for teams. So it's right. so less flexing rather than more. Makes sense. Makes sense. Last question before I let you go. I'm just curious. No preseason games this year. How much of a money hit is that for teams? Um, well, it really severely undercuts their local media rights partnerships, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, aren't, aren't, massive but they they do count for something it's the only thing at the local level teams can really sell from a media standpoint mm -hmm. um i think it's uh, you know assume if you truly zero that out uh, my sense is that it's the equivalent of, of losing a top tier sponsor um for most teams i know the league has allowed um some make goods in that the Giants were example of that here in New York. WNBC is airing some some scrimmages which hadn't previously been available. Um, I know the Tennessee Titans and New Orleans Saints have been airing some classics, some some 
okay. historical broadcasts locally and you know how those compare to preseason games me as a fan i if i'm a tennessee fan i'm more likely to watch their win over the patriots again than watch right. a new preseason game so arguably that value is higher yeah. um so i don't know how that shakes out i haven't surveyed all 32 teams but the league has uh, has allowed some make goods to try to retain some of those value in the local media rights deals and i think most teams are reasonably pleased with where that is considering the loss of uh preseason games is bad for them. It's not as bad as it could be because some teams are being a little creative on that front. Paying people to watch a preseason football game is one of the great American scams of our lifetime. I'll just say that. Um, I mean, that was, you know, as unwatchable a sporting event as there is as NFL preseason. I say that you say that, but I would love to have a full slate of preseason games on this Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, there's so much. I mean, I will say, you know, it's so that, that's the other weird thing, you know, here in August with the NBA and NHL. I mean, you, there are plenty of sports right now. If, I mean, if you're a sports fan, you can't really complain. You got you got a lot to keep you busy these days. That's true. I mean, you know, it's 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 weird because. I normally, in a typical August, I have a very precise sense of what time of the month it is because of what where we are in NFL preseason. And now it's just like we've got all the regular sports and no NFL preseason. And I right. keep consistently surprising myself to look down and realize it's almost September. So you're right. There's It's not as if anyone is hungering for, for sports. I mean, I know people that hunger for NFL football in particular. And, you know, those are the sorts of people who do watch the second half of um, – of, of preseason games because they've got to get their 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 eighth running back on their fantasy team. Yeah. So um, you know they're 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 an extraordinary case though. So they definitely not are. to put too much into that. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some info here. Everyone thirsty for NFL news, and it's coming soon. You know, like you said, it's hard to keep track of the days and the dates, but the NFL is coming soon. So uh, Ben is a good follow on Twitter if you're into the NFL news aspect of things and. Uh, Thanks for shedding some light on these topics. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Anytime. All right. Take it easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, joining me now from ESPN, and he has his own podcast, Road Trippin', and yes, Network as well for the Nets. Uh, he is former NBA player, Richard Jefferson. Richard, how's it going? 
It's going well, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks for coming on. I, I've always, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been a fan of yours because um, you, you've done some really funny stuff over the years with social media and, um, you know, picking on LeBron and Channing Fry and stuff like that. Yeah. And, then, you know, I was doing a little research for this podcast and like you haven't tweeted, I think, since May. <laughs> and I'm like, what's, what's going on here? So like, are you done with Twitter? I mean, I don't blame no, you. For, it's such no, a, no, it's no. A, I, so I, I started, so this is the funny thing. And I know uh, we saw uh, my managers on here. So I'm not a big social media person. I, I only got it once I retired, but right. then somehow I got logged out. I got logged out of my Twitter. And so it was like, someday we got hacked and there's just been some confusion. So I just haven't gotten back on. And it's one of those things that like, if you're not that into it, it doesn't, but I do need to get back on Twitter. I, we had a conversation like a couple of days ago. It's like, okay, today's the day. But there's like nine steps that you have to go through to get like, re like I'm sitting there talking to the Twitter person. They're like, hey, we need you to fill out this form. Then we need you to go and do this. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of effort for something right. that I don't want. Yeah. But now I'm, now I'm at a spot where it's like, okay, Richard, like get back on Twitter and just I, it's start like, putting out it's interesting to hear you don't want it because you're you're very good at the one-liners and throwing some daggers out there so which is what we need on Twitter. you know we need more of that yeah. on twitter and less of the other nonsense yeah you know you're right and it's like it's it's doing what you need not what you want sometimes and so uh i am going to get back on there i know she, like if you would have seen her i wish you would known that was going to be your first question she would have been cussing me out already <laughs> um well i didn't really plan on it being the first question but um you know, when you had told me, you, you know, you're still doing the road trip in podcast and I saw on Instagram, you were doing a bunch of, um, interviews, you know, video interviews on Instagram. Yeah. So that, that just naturally led me to wonder what the, what was going on with Twitter. So, yeah, that was it. I just, I got yeah. logged out because someone tried to hack into my account and That's I just funny. like, yeah. And now I've realized it's been months. Since someone hacked in probably trying to get access to LeBron so they could DM LeBron or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't answer. He doesn't answer me anyway. That's why I heckle him all the time. <laughs> it's like, you're going to give me attention when I need it. Well, well, one of the things I saw um, on your Instagram when I saw that, you know, you stopped tweeting uh, was you had this video. It was like a FaceTime call with LeBron where you guys talked about getting ESPN to air the last dance early. Uh, yeah. Are you responsible for that? Is that, is that the work of you and LeBron? I, I'm going to say this. I think it's one of those things where like people use the momentum of something to launch what they were already planning on launching. I think they were like, I think that came out on like a Monday and I think that they had announced that it was going to, or, or they were going to like say that they were going to do it because of the pandemic. They were going to do it on like a Thursday or Friday. But because they were like, yo, we got LeBron and Richard talking about the last dance and how we should release it. What's the difference if we announce it today or if we announce it on Thursday? So I think we were responsible for them kind of jumping the gun. And then upon getting more information from ESPN, it's like, yo, it's not finished. They were like, it was supposed to be right. done in June. It was supposed to be done in June. And that's when they were going to do it around the NBA finals. But uh, so when we're talking about, I think it was probably March or April, that's when they they decided to put it out. But the last like two or three episodes weren't finished yet. Yeah, they they um they definitely worked on those later episodes as the series yeah. had started. So uh, yeah. were you? I mean, obviously it was like it captured the nation there early on in the pandemic. I assume you were you loved every minute of it, like everyone else. You know what it was, man. It was just so nostalgic, man. And and at this point in time with like all the stuff that was going on, it was a feel good, it was a feel good thing, right? There was no controversy. There was no 
opinions. This was just a documentary of an American hero. You know, it was a documentary of an American hero and a person, uh, one of the greatest athletes this planet has ever seen. And so I think it was awesome from that standpoint that everyone was able to kind of get away and, you know, dads were able to introduce this to their kids and like kids were able to see, you know, you know, LeBron James, you know about Kobe Bryant, but it was like, without this guy who is just a few years behind him, those guys probably don't reach the same heights. It's interesting you mentioned that about LeBron because... You know, it does seem like obviously one day we'll get a LeBron version of The Last Dance. And you know him. You played with him for two years. You were on the team that won the championship there in Cleveland. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, part of me feels like we know so much about LeBron. And then I feel like there's probably so much we don't know about LeBron. Would that be an accurate assessment? No, no. There's, there, you know what? He is, he is he is today's athlete, right? right? It's like, there was no social media. There wasn't any of that stuff in MJ. And even at the beginning of Kobe's career for probably that the, the first two thirds of Kobe's career, there wasn't, you know, social media, not in the way it is today. And so for MJ, you know, he didn't need it. It was like word of mouth. It was like, I didn't have, you know, you watch sports center to guess the MJ highlights and you would see this and then they would do all of this stuff on him. So yeah, LeBron James is in the media. Now he owns his own media company. Everything is very manicured. So uh, I don't think the documentary for him uh, will be the same because we just didn't have that access. No one had ever seen these type of in interviews or this type of, and, and again, that last year they agreed with the NBA that, you can film everything, but it only gets released if you have MJ's approval and the NBA, if they both approve on it, which is mind blowing if you think about that, right? right? Like that's how much power he has. So I think LeBron's a little bit different, but yeah, it, it, I, it's, I, I think the story will be different. It's interesting because it's an excellent point that you make, but there's also, I think, a flip side to that. And, you know, during the last dance, one of the things that struck me was, you know, Jordan didn't, like you said, Jordan didn't have to deal with social media. He didn't even have to deal with the internet, really. Forget social media. Yeah. And um, I was taken aback, you know, just as I was a diehard Knicks fan growing up my whole life, the Riley Van Gundy years. Now, obviously, they're an embarrassment. But um, I was surprised to see that Jordan was so sensitive to media criticism and the media. It didn't, you know, so it was interesting to me because you think of him as like the most mentally tough athlete of all time. And he seemed to really not be able to handle the media well. And the media back then is like, was like 1% of what it is now. I think what could be interesting about a LeBron type of series is LeBron has had to deal with social media. I mean, LeBron gets hate, which blows my mind away because to me, on and off the court, just look at what this guy does. I don't, I don't understand how there can well, be. Well, 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 I think some of the hate has to do with Kobe and MJ's mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if he's your favorite player and, and, you know, it's hard, it's just no different than like, you know, if you're a Browns fan, you hate Ben Roethlisberger. It doesn't matter how many championships that man wins. You just hate that man because of who right. he is and where he's from. Uh, I would say this, everyone's sensitive to social media. That's one of the negative things in art mm. to the media. And I don't, I think MJ was sensitive, but I think MJ just found that it was a little bit unwarranted. And as much as we can say that, the internet wasn't around. There was 500 reporters every time MJ opened his mouth. Yeah. Anywhere MJ went, it was, you know, sometimes like seeing like these guys, it's different because you see them all the time, you hear from them all the time. But like MJ, if MJ was walking around you in a mall in 97, right? Like 
like MJ used to have a deal with like the grocery store that he would go and they would like, they would close the doors and they would let him go in there and kind of grow grocery shopping. Think about that. If you were living in such a bubble that mm-hmm. like, even to go grocery shopping, you have to like, like have them lock the doors and be able to do that late at night. And so I, I, I think, you know, with MJ, he felt that he gave so much of himself. And so I think he felt like some of the criticism was unwarranted, whether it was the late night gambling or um, some of the, you know, the other stuff, especially after his dad's passing and people tried to make stories out of that saying that there was gambling involved. And it was just like, that's when I think he felt it was unfair and he kind of like retreated even more. Yeah. Again, you know, if he goes to a grocery store back then though, no one's, filming him with a phone where is LeBron anything he does now gets filmed. I mean, the guy can't even, you know, move anywhere without, you know, someone. So it's, it's such a different dynamic. It, yes, it's, it it's, is. it's interesting. There, there the was Le- a positive for that. There was a positive for that. Yeah. The LeBron, you know, it's funny because I'm a big Le- LeBron defender and, you know, I'll get either something ridiculous. Like people say like, Oh, well, he's a great pe- player, but he's always like pitching to the referees as if that's like, you know, a reason to like not, and then yeah, you know, a lot of people don't like. A lot of people feel like, you know, the the personality. Maybe he tries too hard, or this. I don't see it. I don't get it. I mean, I think you have to understand this is one of the most famous people in the universe, and the greatest show on earth still to this day when it comes to sports. So it, it, you're not going to get you know a personality that you're going to expect. He's going to be, and it's okay for people to not like you. That's the one thing where like it's okay for someone to not like you. They have the respect to, but it's okay. Like, I think everybody as human beings have to start to accept that, that no matter how much you love someone or how much you want them to love you, they might not love you back. And I think a lot of times, I think Braun had a big, um, I think he understood that, you know, when he came to LA, I think last year was a very, very trying time. He moves his whole family to Los Angeles, California. Uh, You know, he's believing that like, hey, the Lakers have been so starved. Right. But then I think he realized there's a difference between Laker fans and Kobe fans. They're different. Mm -hmm. Right. And the people loved Kobe. They loved the Lakers because Kobe was on that team. But there were so many people that didn't want him to succeed because they didn't ever want him to, quote unquote, surpass Kobe in those type of places. And so um, whether it's stats or championships and stuff like that. So I think for him, he understood that very similar to you know, the decision where he went to Miami and a lot of people weren't happy with that decision. And it was like, this man can do whatever he want with his life. Why are you burning his jerseys? Why, are, why is the owner taking out a full page ad? And it was right. just like, and I think for him, it made him tougher. It made him str- stronger. It made him smarter. He started to understand that like the decisions that he does impacts other people's lives. When you leave a team, there's you know, the bars and the restaurants locally are going to be affected. And so even if they're not, they're not like personally like affected, they're not like personally affected, but financially they can be affected like with his impact on the economy. And so he started to understand more and more of that, which made it a little bit easier for him to accept that everyone's not going to like the things he does. Right. And, and here's a guy though, too, who, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is. I mean, sending kids to college and, we're seeing now, you know, what's gone on the past few months here. He's, he's stepped up, um, you know, even saying this, you know, normally in the playoffs, it's um, zero. What is it? Zero dark 30 or something like that. Yeah. Zero dark 30. I always mess with him with that, man. I I texted him one time. I was like, yo, I know you go zero dark 30, (laughs) but then all of a sudden uninterrupted. And this is how intelligent of a businessman he is. He does a lot of like pre-taped stuff for uninterrupted. 
mm-hmm. um, does a ton of pre-tape stuff. And, you know, our podcast was on Uninterrupted for a long time. So then if you are a LeBron fan, the only place to get content is where? Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. Yeah. He's not so stupid. It's like, no, yeah. But that's the thing. He doesn't just disappear off the face of the earth and only does stuff for ESPN Turner during the postseason. Right. He like films and does all of this extra content for that. So it's actually a genius business move. You get off your own social media and then you content goes to your media company right. that you're growing and building. And now all of a sudden that's an opportunity to grow that. Well, uh, since you went there I'm gl- and I'm glad you did, I want to talk to you about the NBA bubble and, and what's going on there. But I did, I want to talk to you too, as just as, as a former player trying to get into in who's in broadcasting and, and what you're trying to do. Cause I think, you know, it's a, this is a media podcast and it's always interesting to me. Um, and it, the, the funny thing is, you didn't come on, you're not on the podcast because of ESPN or your road trip. And I know you're on because of an endorsement deal you have with, um, yeah. if you want to drop that yeah, in Yeah, no, ro- no, yeah. no, rock and, no, rock and protein. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm so excited about this. Like I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona and they have these huge, like, um, green, uh, like, uh, I, I, like advert, like signs and on the signs, there's always like temperatures and time, just like, you know, most of the things, but I just grew up in Arizona watching it and they called me and, and, and we started having these conversations. And even though I'm retired, I try and work out every day. I try and stay in shape. And, you know, I've been, you know, drinking rock and protein or pro, you know, uh, shamrock stuff since I was in high school. So to be able to like continue my training and be able to, you know, use this product and also be able to advertise, this is one of those things that like no different than like when you grow up buying Michael Jordan shoes and then all of a sudden you get to wear Nike and they're paying you and you're advertising for, you feel like you're a part of the family. So to be a part of of the rock and protein family and, you know, a product that I've drank for years, I still drink, like that's something that I've, I've been excited about. And I appreciate you having me on just even to talk about it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. And and it's like I said, um, I'm always, I always get, I'm always interested in, in athletes who make the transition to broadcasting because, like you mentioned with LeBron, things are so different now. It's not like, you know, you just, you play, you retire, then you call some games. There's with social media, like we said, and LeBron started his own company. There's so many different avenues and you're, you seem like someone who's taking it because you do the work for ESPN, you're on Yes, and you have your own podcast. So it's like, I'm, I'm curious, is it, are you still trying to like figure out how you like, I know you do the yes stuff and ESPN. Do you want to do games? Do you like doing studio? What are you figuring it all out? What, what would be like the ultimate Richard Jefferson broadcast career for you? Well, you know, I'm throwing a lot against the wall right now. Uh, You know, I'm about to start a a brand new show um, that'll probably in the next like 10 days, two weeks that I'm producing and funding myself. Uh, It's called uh, uh, the sports gap uh, to kind of talk about things that, that, aren't covered via ESPN and, and Fox sports, but they're not, they're kind of pop culture, but it's not like mainstream stuff. So I'm doing that. And where can people check that out? Yeah. uh, Well, give it some time. I'm just putting it out there. The sports gap. Uh, We literally (laughs) just, we literally just came up with the name. We're going to start filming in the next, um, in the next like 10 days. So Mm -hmm. uh, more and more, they'll see it. But I'm just trying to do a bunch of different things, man, because I, I, I like it. I called games. I do shows. Um, I, I just did a, a show here called the detox on caffeine, which is a brand new streaming service, very similar to Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just enjoy it. And I'm trying to find what my path is going to be. Uh, Cause I don't, you know, there's broadcasting and then there's being a part of 
entertainment. I, I think I enjoy being a part of entertainment more than just sports media, sports broadcasting, sports analysts. I, I like the I like the entertainment part right. of it. A little like Nate Burleson deal there because he does like Good Morning Football and then he's on Extra. On oh, Extra, yeah. yeah. Nate's been Nate's been he's been trying to keep his lead on me, but I'm catching up to <laughs> Nate. I love I love me Nate. I remember yeah. I, I I I I met him. I went and randomly. I was on a train with James Brown, right? And James Brown, CBS, when I tell you guys that he is one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet, he comes up to me, Richard, Jefferson, hey, how are you doing, man? Such a big basketball fan. I knew he played basketball. Starts telling me, he's like, you should come in tomorrow. We're filming, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, "Uh, okay. So I go in there. And this is like my first year. This was just last year. I go in there and I'm just watching CBS CBS football Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in their production meeting. So I have to wake up at like 7 a.m., which I was not planning on doing that. <laughs> and so I sit there and I'm in there with Boomer and I'm in there with Coach and all of these guys and I'm watching their production meeting and I meet Nate and we just start chopping it up. And, you know, he is so smart and so yeah. sharp and, and I have so much respect for him. And I remember uh, DMing him one time about, you know, congratulations on the extra deal. And I think that's so awesome. Obviously, Strahan and, and Mike Golick, so many people have like paved the way for athletes to do things. And I told him, I was like, Nate, like, I'm coming for you, man. I'm coming. I'm right. I'm right behind you. And he, yeah. he, and his response to me was awesome. He goes, man, iron sharpens iron, man, bring it. And so yeah. that, that, that is really, really cool what he's doing. And I, uh, I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, yeah, he he was on the podcast a couple of months ago, and you know, oh, I listened I, to it. I listened to it. I, oh, I I keep an eye on him. Yeah, oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he um, you know, always always has another gig going, and he, he's a hustler, and he's a really good dude. So, um, another guy who was on the podcast, maybe I'd say maybe six to eight weeks ago, who you obviously know well, doing the Nets games, is Ian Eagle, who mm-hmm. is one of the funniest people in this business in the um, world. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and you know what's great about Ian? Like, he really does work. He, the, the, the range of people he works with is so great because he does like the, co- you know, he works a little bit with Bill Raftery during the college basketball season. Amazing. He's an all-time yeah. character. And then he's obviously the NFL. And then, you know, you guys do the games on Yes. He has Sarah Kustak as well. Um, you've got to have some funny Ian story that you can oh, share well, with it, us. I have, I, I have a great Ian story. Uh, but you know what's so funny is that Ian, like, I knew he was great at his job. But I never listened to the games. Like I'm playing in the games when right. he was doing that, and uh, and so like, but I always had respect. And then I would sit next to him, and I would laugh at him the whole time. And people and people between like Richard acts like he didn't know Ian was so funny. I was like, I knew he was good. I didn't know he was this funny. Yeah. Funny story randomly. So Kyrie Irving, uh, we're on a train. Um, long story. We're on a train. Our team's taking a train somewhere, and I look over, and it's Ian. And I was like, oh, wow. And he was like catching a train from Jersey into someplace. He had uh, like a CBS thing he was doing. So I go back there. I'm chopping it up. He's like, so what are you going to do when you retire? I was like, well, you know, Frank DeGrace, our producer, um, who just won an Emmy, uh, shout out to Frank. Um, uh, I was like, he keeps trying to get me to do the net. So, you know, whatever. So we, we chop it up for like five minutes and he's just the nicest person ever. And this is before I retired. And I go back up there and I go, uh, I was talking to Kyrie. I'm like, yeah, man, I was just chopping it up back with, with Ian Eagle. And he was like, Ian Eagles? Ian Eagles back there? I for- completely forget that that he's a Jersey kid and he grew up listening to Ian. Like, he's like a, a legend. Like, for me, it was like Al McCoy in, in Phoenix, right? Okay. Like, Al McCoy was like, he still is the voice of the Suns. Like, he's all time. So his eyes light up. So he goes back. 
and starts talking, chopping it up, blah, 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 blah. And then about three minutes in, he was talking to the wrong person. <laughs> oh my God, no. He was talking, cause like this guy in Kyrie's defense, he had a hat on, kind of like had glasses, kind of looked like Ian, but like obviously Kyrie had never really, really met Ian. Right. So he went back there and Kyrie's talking to him and I, and Ian like looks up and, and Ian being the, the comedian that he is, lets Kyrie go for like two or three minutes talking to the guy directly in front of him. And, and that, the guy, and the guy is like, I, I, cause I was distant and I saw Kyrie's, I didn't know what Kyrie was doing. And so uh, Kyrie's talking and the guy is just engaged. Kyrie Irving's talking to him. Maybe he's a basketball fan. He's like, hey, if this kid wants to talk right. to me, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I grew up in Jersey and blah, blah, blah. And after about three minutes, Ian just goes, hey, Kyrie, I'm right here. And he's like, That's... oh, my bad. And it's just like, it was so funny because Ian just let Kyrie just like talk for a couple of minutes. So a complete That's an amazing stranger. story. And, I and wouldn't Ian just... is next level. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, an amazing. And, and I would have guessed Kyrie is a big Iron Eagle fight. Like it's just that's that's great to hear that. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I just want to talk to you for a couple of minutes before we wrap about the bubble. Um, as the next player, I'm just curious what you what is the biggest challenge for these players playing in this bubble in Orlando? I, I think the Billy, the biggest challenge is really the the lack of home court advantage for both teams. Right. right? You think about Portland. They 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 stole game one in L. A right? Quote, unquote, normally, let's say it, this is how you do it. They still home court. Then they lose the next game. The very next game was going to be in Portland. And that place was going to be absurd. You right. know, this as a basketball fan, I right. know this, that that is a very tough place to play. It's very, very difficult, but they don't have that. They just show back up in the exact same arena every single time. And I think that's the biggest difficulty. And even for a team like the Lakers, where no matter where the Lakers play, they're going to have more fans in the other place. It's, right. it's it, like if you're talking about like the Clippers or the Lakers always travel. So that's an advantage. Same with the Knicks, same with the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Yankees or the Red Sox. That's always an advantage that they have. And for guys that feed off the crowd and get that energy from those environments, that is not there. And you right. have to fake it, right? You have to fake that energy. And I think that's probably the hardest part. The good part about it and why I've seen elevated scoring and guys having monster numbers is that there is no travel involved. So you're, you're not having to play a game. Like every, every time Portland gets on the – they have the largest travel, longest travel schedule because they don't have Seattle anymore. So right. anytime they get on a plane, it's at least two and a half hours. Right? Portland, Portland to Oklahoma City, Portland to Houston. Like that's, that's a full day's worth of travel. So yeah. guys don't have that fatigue on their body, which allows them to, you know, bodies to recover quicker and faster, which you allow to see guys have bigger numbers, better numbers and teams playing better. Yeah. Um, uh, last one I got to ask you this. I feel like if you were still playing, you wouldn't be able to answer it, but I feel like a retired player can really give us the lowdown on this. It was really funny a couple of weeks ago when the NBA announced <clears throat> they were going to start letting the players have some visitors, but the rules were very strict about it. And on Twitter, it became a like, no Instagram model rules, basically what this is. How difficult, you know, we saw it in the NFL. I don't know if you saw the Seahawks player who snuck yeah, a woman yeah, that, in. That, that, that idiot, that idiot. Well, well that guy wasn't in the bubble though. That wasn't in the bubble. Right. That was just, yeah, but go ahead. Well, it's a, it's a great story because he put the woman in a Seahawks uniform. I mean, that's just phenomenal. So, but I don't want to make it like, a, you know, Obviously, it's a funny topic in a way, but I want to be serious about it and just say, how difficult is it for these players to just, you know, basically go back to their rooms every night by themselves and that's it? Well, it's, it, they're, they're, they're in jail, 
Like well, how? Like and this is not this is not to compare their experience, right? Their their experience in jail. That that is not. They're they're in the space where it's just just they're at an all boys school and they're locked away in a, in a place far far away. And um, I think when they were joking about no Instagram models, is basically like guys, like listen to this. This is like going to be a quarantine. Like, yes, if you're dating an Instagram model, like you can bring, like you can bring her in and she's got to quarantine for a week and she's got to get tested every single day and she's got to do all of these things. So they're basically saying that like, you can't just be like, you know, DMing chicks like, Hey, do you want to be on my list and come here for three days? And all of a sudden you're tired of her. And then, you know, you guys can't stand each other because there's only so much to do. She leaves. And then you send another message to, uh, you know, your ex-girlfriend and you're like, Hey, do you want to come here for a week? This is a billion dollar industry that they can't just be having people coming back and forth. And so, uh, is it difficult? Yes. I think it's a hundred percent difficult. Like I, you know, I don't know if you're married, but like how much fun would it be to be away from your wife for three months now? Make it, make it, you know, 25 a, year old kids. It's there's a, a lot of different. ways that answer could go for different people. You know, a lot <laughs> of different ways that this answer can go for people. But ultimately I, I, I think, you know, there's some team bonding that's going on. I think guys are really getting to know, you know, each other and, you know, players, you know, are that, you know, you have four months off. You got a lot of family time in that four months, yeah, yeah. right? You got a lot, you got more family time than you ever had. And then conversely, the next part about it is that, you that's know, true. you, you, yeah. you were, you're away from all of them now. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some insight. It was fun chatting. Um, Man, we'll we'll yeah, get you back I, yeah. on again soon and uh, good luck with everything ESPN. Yes. And, um, and the protein drink, you want to give it one last, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate you, yeah. man. Rock and protein. Rock and protein. Yeah. It's, it's my post-workout drink. It's my pre-workout drink. It's all those things. And so, uh, like I said, just being a hometown kid from Arizona and that's where they're based. It, it, it's so awesome to be a part of it. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot, right. Richard. Appreciate it. All right. My thanks to Ben Fisher and Richard Jefferson for coming on the SI Media Podcast this week. Good stuff from both of them. If you missed last week's episode of the SI Media Podcast, we had Keith Hernandez on. He was great talking about unwritten rules in baseball. Fernando Tatis then shared a lot of Seinfeld stories. He was phenomenal. Kyle Brandt from NFL Network two weeks ago. John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal was on three weeks ago talking about media news. Jeff Van Gundy four weeks ago. So if you missed any of those, check them out in the archives. Subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. And if you can rate review, that helps as well. All right, that wraps up this edition. We'll see you next week. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.